enter the crib. Your strike back sit rep starts in three, two, one. Wait, do we go on zero? Welcome back. We are here to talk about episode six of Warrior. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Deb. So we are also really excited to let you guys know that we have our very first Warrior interview. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk to Jason Tobin, who plays Young June. He was amazing. Next week, we'll have Rich Ting, who plays Bolo. So they're starting to roll in. We're excited. We hope you guys yep. are excited, too. So have some others coming up, too. Yes! But those are secrets, though. So, <laughs> um, all right. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. So, episode six. Dev's wish begins. The Tong Wars. Tong Wars. <laughs> oh my God! What an episode, man! Was it brutal? Oh, Tong Wars were brutal. Stuff going on with Bill was just unspeakably brutal. Oh. Hard to watch. Yeah. Oh, I had to turn the sound off. It got too, too melon against the. Yeah. Mm, No. So we kicked off with the parade, which was cool. Although I will say, I did unfavorably compare to Strikeback's parade, which was so beautiful this past season. But again, then I have to remember, like, it's a very different setting. It's not modern day, it's past. So, of course, it's. And then I was like, okay, stop being an idiot. It's not the same. Whatever. But beautiful, and of course, Gorgeous. then explosions. Uh, I thought it was really, it was really good. Nothing is going to beat episode five. That was so, so, so good that it's almost like hard yeah. to have that. <laughs> and then come it was, back. yeah. But it's all. It was also, you know, it, it's a standalone episode, and you have to, you have to view it as a standalone episode. You yes. can't really no. put it into the flow of everything else because yeah. it, it's not meant to be. You know, so. Um, yeah, I just I watching this episode. I'm it, it started off with that was one hell of a bang, man. Yeah. That that was a boomier boom than I thought we'd get out of. That was one hell of a bang in two different ways, <laughs> and, uh, and they both kind of exploded at the same moment. So yeah, that coincidence. <laughs> awesome that... really powerful. <laughs> Oh my god, Kelsey. The first thing I thought was, oh, Kelsey's loving this episode. (laughs) Uh, Only way it could have been better is if it was like Makati Pants doing that, but you know, whatever. There's still four more episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Okay. Go ahead. (laughs) Back to Boomier. (laughs) Oh, okay. So. I really thought this episode was good. I thought it was great the way they kicked off the Tong Wars. <laughs> Sounds like we're having a party here. Um, and I really liked all the sort of behind the scenes negotiations, quote unquote, going on. And I think maybe Mai Ling is in a little over her head. I don't think she expected things to escalate so quickly. I think she thought this was going to be that she had more control than she yeah, yeah. than she could possibly have and i i don't think she expected him to live so that <laughs> father june to yeah. live so that uh, yeah so yeah i just uh and then i just was not prepared for for o'hara oh yeah that, that was, was that was rough 
I mean, there's no way to come back from that. That ugh. you kept thinking like he's gonna become a good guy. <laughs> yeah, it's too far gone, and he knows it. He totally knows it. And then I was not expecting the Lee story to mm. to be in this episode at all. I mean, I knew it was coming up. It had to be coming up. But yeah, ooh, that's getting wanted dead or alive. Wow. That's scary. Okay. What did he do? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. Uh, so, okay. Well, let's just jump right into it then. Okay. Um, fight of the night. Okay. Wait, wait. I'm going to start because I have an issue with my fight of the night. <laughs> I picked it and I have an issue. You have an issue, Kelly. Yes. Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's my alter ego. <laughs> my alter ego, Kelly, has an issue with Kelsey's pick. No, anyways. So my fight of the night was Bolo, Young Jun, and Assam going into the bar. The, like, quick brutality, just take all those guys down. I mean, Young Jun with the knife on that guy's throat. It was very bloody, but, like, e super efficient and, like, very cool to watch. My issue <laughs> was when Young Jun pulled out the gun and shot that guy and Assam goes, you've had that the whole time. And I'm thinking you threatened Chow with it like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> you knew he had a gun. <laughs> Oops. So that was my only issue with it. Uh, but other than that, that was my fight of the night. I thought it was, it was really impressive. And you guys, we did talk to Bolo, uh, Rich Ting who plays Bolo about that fight, but you'll have to wait until next week to hear that. So what was your fight of the night? You know, yeah, that was definitely, that was amazing. I mean, it was really, it was fun to see them all fighting together and the, just the brutal efficiency of all of it and how, and the look on young June's face when they walked in and he was just like, here I am in mm. full psycho mode. Let's go have some fun. I'm like, oh, there goes our sensitive little young dude. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> he didn't go with the girl. <laughs> he certainly did not. <laughs> but I think just for the sheer brutality of it, I'm going with the Leary Damon finished off by O'Hara fight because it was just, I mean, you know, that was survival level one-on-one -on -one brutality and it was awful. It was just awful. And you knew, you know, yuck. I mean, I hated that man. I just hated him. He was so slimy and, and really enjoyed what he was doing. And so you wanted him to kind of get what he deserved, but I don't know that anyone deserved that. That yeah. was just awful. And, oh my God, I just, you know, when he was standing over him and you knew he was going to do it, but you were just hanging on to that hope that he wouldn't because he set the whole thing up. I mean, yeah. he knew this is how it was going to end. I don't think he really expected to have to be the one to kill him, but he knew he was getting the guy killed. But I think he thought he could keep his hands clean. You know, yeah. like, See, this I, thought, was the... I guess I thought he thought he was getting the guy beat up. <laughs> oh, no, because the only way it was going to end was if he was dead. You know, that death going to go on. Yeah, and the threat would go on if he lived. So you knew he, you knew he was gonna die. Yeah, but he, I think Bill thought he could steer clear of actually having to do it. Yeah. You know that he would manipulate Leary into it, and you know Leary is just a stone cold psycho, and he got so much enjoyment out of that. 
Yeah. And oh, it was it was awful. Yeah, no, it was, it just was awful. It was brutal. And I will say, actually, that moment with Bill killing the guy, and then combined with like him going home and crying, were both my emotional moment of the night and my what the fuck moment of the night. Like yeah. because it was like, I mean, because he, okay, so he's gonna kill the guy, but like he just he, uh. kept going and i know it's like out of this like rage that it's like i don't want to have to do this and i'm doing this but he was and i'm just sitting there going what what the fuck is happening like and then i mean it was so emotional and karen boo was uh view was like amazing but and then he went home and he was like terrible to his wife and i get it he thinks he's disgusting but i hate when people who think they're disgusting treat other people like they're disgusting then he closes the door and he cries. And I was like, no. this whole combination of the two is just like, it's like too much. It's, oh. Yeah, it was, it was overwhelming. I mean, you were in his, in his spot at that point. It was just overwhelming. He can know, you know, he is just in the ultimate way lost control of his lies. And, oh, it was so awful. So awful. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you your emotional and what the fuck moments. <laughs> Give me both what? of them because mine were, that was literally mine all wrapped up in one. <laughs> well, unfortunately, mine were the same. So <laughs> I'm trying, I'm like scrambling here for another emotional moment. Okay. Um, I did, one thing I did write down was that sort of desperate cry for help from young June when he realized that his yeah. father was still breathing. Yeah. And there was nobody who was going to come help. You know, he's just, oh, I mean, that was just kind of, and that he's in this position of knowing, you know, Bolo's kind of, I, I, oh, I don't even know what I want to say there, but it was just like, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> it was so sad that he was just, you know, yelling for help. And Bill's standing, what, like 10 feet away? Know, just totally ignoring him. I mean, he's in shock or whatever, but still. You're a policeman. You're supposed to respond. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. no, not going to help him. And where was Bolo? I mean, Bolo got up and walked away, right? No, he was blown, blown over too. At least I think, I mean, because he grabbed him and went down unless he was off chasing somebody. Of course, then there's like Osama Penny and I'm going like, didn't you hear that? (laughs) Were you so like wrapped up? You were like, we made an explosion. (laughs) Yeah, but they were kind of far away yeah they're over in, they're over in duckville yeah i guess <laughs> so. that's supposed that's true that's yeah true. oh can i just say i did love when penny and him were talking oh and, yeah and she made the like we can do that women can save ourselves and i was like yes yes, yes. Can. i wrote that down you know we yeah. can do that we do that yeah and the look at his face was like huh yeah, yeah. stupid boys <laughs> yeah but it was also <clears throat> The look was sort of like, wow, you know, she's the real deal. Yeah. I, you know? Yeah. Uh, I thought, I mean, it was all, it was all really great. I did. Oh, so you guys, when you hear uh, Jason Tobin talking in a little while, you, we, he totally, totally called me out for Makati pants. <laughs> Uh, but he did talk about uh, when Joe Taslam is on, sc- on screen and they, they're all like, he's too charismatic. And I did when they're all like standing around and he's standing next to Mei Ling and he didn't say anything. He had mm-hmm. no lines. And I was like, no, yeah, he is. He's, he's pretty. He draws the eye. 
<laughs> it's got a presence. <laughs> oh, but, uh, you know. oh, Kels. I know, I know, I know. Okay, questions going forward. What happens to Mei Ling's husband, not husband, the older guy that we don't know if she's actually married to? The Tong leader. Yeah, what what did Lee do? And oh, yeah. um, how, what, where does Bill go from here? That doesn't involve... I mean, does he just keep going down the hole? Is he going to try to come up? I mean, I figure the way he feels about himself, he's just going to keep going down because he's now decided yeah. he's, he's unredeemable. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about you? Really interested in how my Ling's going to view this whole thing. Like, I think this is so far over her head. I don't think she ever expected him to live and so now she's got to change her whole game plan and I don't think she's ready for that what is going to happen with Assam and Myling? because clearly they are now on he and I think Assam has realized they're on different sides so yeah. where is it going from here and <clears throat> how is she going to control this what is going to be the role of the new Fung Hai leader are we going to see more of him and how are they going to work things out now that things didn't go quite as planned and yeah, what's going on with Bill? Oh, I'm kind of wondering is is whatever's going to happen with Lee going to help him redeem himself, or is he just going to go for the reward? Oh God, I hope not. Because that's what was it like five thousand dollars? Yeah, that's a lot of gambling money. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> so <laughs> is 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 that going to kind of be his moment of truth where he has to decide? You know, do I report him, get the money, which is, I think, probably what his instincts would do? Or do I do I try to salvage something of my life and help this guy out? Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's like the light that he clings to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. well, that's it for episode six then. And stick around to hear Jason Tobin talk all about young June. We're not at Xfil. Stay with us at the crib. All right, Meebers, we are so excited to welcome our very first guest from Warrior. Jason Tobin plays Young June, who in the space of five episodes has gone from my least favorite character to begrudge acceptance to, oh, he'll be a great psychopath to come around to, oh my God, he's amazing and precious and please everybody protect him and we love him. So thank you so much (laughs) for the journey. And Jason, thank you for coming on. It is an absolute pleasure. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Nothing satisfies me more than to find someone who hates my character and then turns around and loves them. It just is something so satisfying about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we absolutely, you know, we already saw some of, you know, that he's, some of the inner young June, if you will, uh, in episode four, but episode five was, was just incredible. And so can you, I guess, start us off by just telling us a little bit about how you got involved with Warrior? Okay, so um, I have actually worked with uh, Justin Lin, the executive producer, on three other uh, productions prior to, to Warrior. And actually, I haven't really worked with him in about 10 years. And he's just one of these guys who... He's a really good friend, um, really believes in my work. And, but, you know, we hadn't spoken in a while, but when he spoke to me about this project, it was as if 10 years had never gone by. And when the role was right for me, he, he contacted me straight away. And um, 
it was um, yeah, it was really cool. And I actually worked with him on a movie called Better Luck Tomorrow. It was his first uh, film feature that he had had done as a director on his own. He had done one feature prior to that where he co-directed it with with another guy. And um, so I was in that film, and it went to Sun, it went to the Sundance Film Festival. It did very well. And then after that, he became the Hollywood director that that he is now today. And in some regards, like the character that I played in Better Luck Tomorrow, there's a similarity to Young June. But Young June obviously is there's more depth and there's more more power, <laughs> more viciousness, more blood, more guts, all that stuff. But there is definitely um, a kinship between between the two characters. And uh, in some ways, maybe you know, I, you know, Young June's maybe that character's great grandfather or something, you know. But when I got I got contacted by Alexa Fogel, the casting director, in the middle of uh, 2017. And they actually originally had auditioned me for Assam, <laughs> interestingly enough. And I, I remember at the time I, I had done a professional job. I felt good that, you know, I demonstrated that I'm a, I'm a good actor. But, but I knew that in my heart, I was like, mm, I'm, not, I'm not this guy, you know. But I also knew, I, I thought to myself, I bet you, I bet you there's a role in this, this show that I'm just perfect for. And then I didn't hear back from them for a good six months, I think. And then six months later, they, they, you know, they, they called me up in, in a friend, uh, you know, you know, frantically asking me to put myself on tape for another character. I said, okay, sure, no problem. And at the time, Alexa, Justin, Jonathan, they all called me and they said to me, um, yeah, please, you know, play him chill. Don't, don't be crazy. You know, don't, don't, you know, just keep it really chill. And I was like, oh, okay. Which went totally against my instincts when I, you know, when I read the scenes. But I, I suppose what had happened was a lot of actors had come in and just played Young Jin super crazy, but hadn't grounded him in any, you know, it hadn't grounded him. And so my first audition for Young Jin was, was <laughs> it was a scene, I think, from 103, where I'm welcoming, welcoming Assam back. Mm-hmm. In, in the bar, was like, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, came back home, you know, that sort of like big, um, big scene. I did it super chill, almost like Marlon Brando in The Godfather. <laughs> 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 and uh, like, hey, so how was it in there? Yeah, and just you know what I mean, just super chill. And I remember sending the tape back in, back to the, back to them, and I and I went home and I sat in my kitchen. I thought, my God. That sucks. Like it just, <laughs> it just did not sit right with me. But you know, I sent it. You know, I sent it in. And the next day, Jonathan Tropper, um, he calls me. He goes, "Oh no, hey man, uh, no, no, no. We, we we need to see the energy of Young June." I'm like, "Okay, of course you do." <laughs> you know. So I basically took all their notes and I chucked it out the window, and I said, "Look, if I'm gonna have the opportunity to play this guy for the next four or five, how many years? Then I I better do it." in a way that I enjoy it, that, right. you know, that, like, you know, and so I basically threw out every single note because they were clearly, it was confusing me. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> and, uh, so I did it my way. I did literally one take, sent it in. And then within hours, you know, they were calling me up and wanting to sign contracts. And then two weeks later I was on a plane to Cape Town and yeah, it was amazing. It was really amazing. <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, you know, when I, I sent in the first audition, I thought, Jesus, I'm a really bad actor. And then oh. next, the next time I sent it, I'm like, oh, I'm fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this total yo-yo. I, I feel like 
I really relate to the movie Birdman because on one minute you you think you're on top of the world, you're the greatest thing on earth, and the next minute you're just like, you suck. <laughs> but um, yeah, I hope I answered your question there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the moral of the story is, as an actor, trust your gut. You really have to, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You really, you really do, because I mean, there's a certain there's a certain point where you you just have to take a leap of faith and it sounds cliche but it's true you just have to go okay I know what I'm doing I'm gonna do it I have to express myself honestly in this role um and otherwise if you're you're always trying to think of what other people want and then you're going to be lost because you're going to be straight in your head whereas when you're not when you're acting you need to be thinking the thoughts of your character and and, and nothing else so yeah <laughs> yeah um I'm interested to know where we are primarily a strike back podcast and we're used yes. to reviewing a show where the actors don't necessarily get the script very far in advance, like sometimes yep. minutes in advance of shooting a scene. And you talked about um, feeling like you're close to being young June. And I'm wondering how far ahead did you get the scripts and how, how far ahead did you know that this guy actually does have some depth versus what we saw in the first couple episodes where he, he really was just a psycho and yeah, pretty savage. Good. And, and yeah. um, you know, how, did you know in those episodes that he was actually going to have so much depth or are you going into this sort of at the same pace that the audience is? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, so during season one, we would get maybe a few scripts ahead of time. And so when I when I came to shoot the first episode, uh, I, I hadn't seen the other scripts yet. However, I was told I, I had talked to Jonathan Tropper, and one of the things that they really wanted to see in the audition was this that vulnerability and that depth and that care and and um, brotherhood that he would have with Assam. And um, so I think that was. That was the issue. That's why they told me at first, chill out, don't be crazy, don't be crazy, because they wanted to see that side. And um, my audition scene was the one when I welcomed him back from prison. So to answer your question, I didn't have episode five with me yet, but I'd heard about it, and it was like this mythical script, you know? It's like 105, you're going to love 105. <laughs> <laughs> so so I did know, because, you know, obviously speaking to, to JT and... Um, and knowing what was coming, I, I did understand that. And and actually, uh, interestingly enough, we actually shot 105 last. We shot 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and then we shot 5. And, um, and so that also gave us time over the season to sort of um, get to know our characters more and um, build upon our relationship, both as, as friends and as colleagues. And I feel like it really paid off at the end. And it just... It just um, infuses all the rest of the scenes and the rest of the season. It's it's really really cool. Yeah, well, it's it's really phenomenal. So I had a question about like taking a role on Warrior and the and the feeling on set because it really is, it's so different. Uh, it's a story that needed to be told both because it hadn't ever been told from that perspective, um, and also because frankly it's very timely. Uh, <laughs> it relates a lot, unfortunately, to now, but. Um, but it is such a big, important story, and I'm wondering if there is pressure for you accepting that role, and then on set, like sort of, is that kind of playing in everybody? Is it is it treated a little differently than it would just be any other TV show, or is it just like this is our job, whatever it is, you have to throw your heart into it? 
Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, I do think it's very, very timely in many ways, actually. And also, I think we all kind of feel a responsibility because, you know, there's Bruce Lee's name attached to it and it's based on his writings. And there is, there's always been like this sense of injustice. If you're a Bruce Lee fan, knowing that, you know, the original Kung Fu series, you know, that was supposed to be him and, and that maybe it was even taken from this particular idea from, from Warrior. Um, I felt more, almost more responsibility to that. And, but that all being said, I throw that all out the window. You know, once I start working on the script, I, I, I don't let any of that weigh me down. I, I, I purely focus on the story and on the character and just living the life as uh, fully as I can um, and, to, to, to the, and to express myself in the character to the very edges of the character, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From the most vicious, annoying, <laughs> to, the, to the most vulnerable and, and heartfelt scenes, I, I want to be completely full, all the way to the edge, and never think about the responsibility that I have to my community, representation, to the legacy of Bruce Lee. Like any, if I if I think about those things, they will weigh me down. And I literally, the the only thought that I kind of keep in mind is a famous quote that you know Bruce Lee had said that uh, had said in an in an interview was you know. To, What's hardest to do is to honestly express yourself. And that's all I'm trying to do now. It's just once the work's here, I'm here. That's all I'm doing. And then, and then afterwards, I can appreciate what it means on a political level or on a social, social level or, or whatever. Because um, even when I was mainly doing films, um, Asian-American films, there was always this burden that you, you've got to represent our community in a positive light. And I thought, well... No, I don't want to represent my community in a positive light by the characters I play. I want to play the psychos. I want to play the, the good guys, the bad guys. I don't want to be limited by only playing people that represent my community in a positive light. If anything, I would rather represent my community, which still sounds weird to me, um, by being a good actor, uh, by telling really cool stories, good stories. Um, and uh, because, you know, I mean, I grew up, idolizing people like, you know, Robert De Niro. So, so you know, and I, I love gangster movies. I loved all kinds of movies, you know, so I don't, I don't want to be limited. And, um, and sometimes I hear people say, oh, Warriors about representation. Okay, maybe that is to you, but to me, it's not about represent, representation. Yes, it represents a lot of people, but it's not about that. At least the story isn't. It just, it then happens to be representative, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> no, you, you absolutely did. Yeah. I think that's really, yeah. I actually, um, <laughs> you talk about like wanting to play, you know, the psychopath. And I had seen an interview um, you did a few years ago where you oh, said no. your, uh, no. your like motto is not tap into your inner child, it's tap into your inner, inner sociopath. And I was yes. like, well, I guess that's like, <laughs> you're living the dream. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm totally living the dream. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, I think a lot of actors don't want to look bad, right? And for me, I'm going, like, wait, no, I, I want to show the parts of myself that we that are scary, you know? Um, because I really think that, you know, under the right circumstances or the wrong circumstances, we can be anything. Like right now, I just happen to be an upstanding <laughs> citizen, but under different circumstances, who would I really be? And I feel like in acting, we can really explore that. And, and it's dangerous and it's scary and... 
And that's what's really exciting. Yeah, what's the point in being an actor if, if you can't, if you're just going to play yourself, you know? Right, exactly, exactly, then exactly. Just go sit in an office, you know? <laughs> there's there's no right. challenge to anything that you're doing. That's the whole point of being an actor is to, right. you know, to, to be able to explore that in a, in a setting that allows you to do that in a safe way. And yeah. yeah. I mean, don't we all just want to get stabby sometime? Sure, absolutely. you get to. <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely, I get to, um, and you know, like I get to fall in love again. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in love with my wife and my kids, but whoa, I get to fall in love in a, in a saloon in the middle of Grass Valley, Nevada, <laughs> and I get to kill a bunch of assholes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you okay, could say yes. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I've lost my train of thought already. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's start a new one then. Um, sure. Let's perfect. Let's talk about this episode because yes. it was just so freaking good from start yeah. to finish. And yeah. I can't imagine how fun it was to film this and how just, uh, look, so talk about what it was like in that it, to be able to film such a great sort of elevator episode mm. where everything is contained in the in the episode and how just everything about it to me seemed perfect <laughs> right From, i mean the dialogue to the fight choreography to the the cinematography was just spectacular and i can't imagine what the vibe on set was was like for this episode yeah it was really um, wow. Uh, it, okay, where do I start? Um, so we filmed it last. It was the last episode that we shot in season one. And so all the main cast, you know, Kieran, you know, McCarty Pants, and everyone had already left. And they had all left. And, and obviously that was sad because obviously we, we the one thing that's... Um, on, on this production is that the whole cast is really close to each other and we, we spend a lot of time with each other we've um so we've we've bonded really well and it's very rare because there's always one asshole on a set <laughs> but we, we have none on this show which is really cool although i did hear but uh <laughs> Unfortunately, we have a really, really great, great cast and crew, and um, so we really bonded. They all had to leave, and um, that left me and Andrew. But my word, like this new cast that came in for the end, they were superb. I mean, Christian, who played Harlan French. Yes. Oh my gosh, uh, he was so good. He's so good. I remember, I'm, <laughs> you know, um, me and Andrew were sitting at that table that we sit at the beginning, and then we we watched him his first like run through his rehearsal and then his first take and we literally looked at each other and we're like fuck this guy's good <laughs> he's so good he's he's really really good never a false moment in in his rehearsals and every single take every take was was gold and he's an interesting character because uh outside of being harlan french he's actually like a very just gentle nice I mean, this in the nicest way, a little bit dorky, you know what I mean, kind of guy. And uh, um, sorry, Christian, <laughs> I really mean that in the nicest way. But yeah, he was a really great actor. But my point is that the whole cast, this whole new cast, was was fantastic. 
Um, everyone was on point. What I mean, most of my career I've worked on uh, features. And so I haven't really done much episodic other than being a guest star. And um, so coming back to do 105 felt like doing a feature film again. So I really felt like very, very comfortable in, in, in that world. And, you know, like uh, Andrew said, it, was, it felt like a play. And so it gave us, gave us this opportunity to, to really dig our teeth in. And plus we knew each other really well. And I think that really comes across on screen, like that, that friendship. I mean, I really feel like Andrew is, is like a brother of mine. Is there any other specific questions that you want to ask me about 105? <laughs> She's like, tell me everything. Are you shocked on day one? Tell, tell us oh, yeah, everything. Um, Let's talk about the fight choreography. Yes, How long yes. did it take to film that final scene? Because it, it's mm. hard to believe it was only three minutes long, and yet three min a three-minute long fight is a long fight on telly. So what went into that? It had to be just how long did it take to film that? I'm trying to remember now. How long did it take us to film that? I feel like I want to say like a day or two. Not long at all, because we don't have a lot of time, right? We, right. I think we had maybe nine days to shoot the whole thing. Um, but by that point, we we were in a pretty good groove, you know? Um, I'd worked with all the stud guys already. I'd, I had a few more fight scenes under my belt by that point. Andrew was completely on top of his game. I want to say not too long, um, but I, I, I can't, I, I actually don't remember. I, th I think it was probably a day or two. Um, but we moved really quickly. I mean, that first fight scene that, that you like, uh, Kelsey? Yeah. I think we literally shot that like in an hour and a half. It was really? just like, boom, boom, wow. boom, 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 right, moving on. You know, like, it's it was just so quick. In fact, that's what I remember about 105. We were literally flying by the seat of our pants. There were times where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> All right, but I know where I am in the scene. I don't know where the cameras are. Oh, I see one of, you know what I mean? Like, it just... All right, are you good? You good? All right, I'm good. Let's just go for it. And I think that actually lends to the yeah. energy of, of the film. And I really trust Kevin, the director, and, and Ed, the, the DP, and, and everyone involved. So uh, sometimes I don't need to know everything. I'm just like, all right, where are we? Okay, we're here. All right, let's go. <laughs> and everyone was like that. I mean, for me, like, a, a filmmaking is, just, I mean, I'm stating the obvious here, but it's, it's a team effort. And, and everyone was just so, um, you know, you... you you, everyone makes everyone else look good, and you have to save everyone's each other's asses. Um, and there's definitely that that vibe throughout Warrior, and and particularly on 105, where we had basically used up all the budget for the season on the previous nine episodes. So 105 was like, okay, guys, we need to be on top of our game. We don't have a lot of time because we don't get these shots. We're not going to get the episode. So a lot of times it was just this mad rush. But then once the camera started rolling, it was this focused attention you know like um and i really enjoy that there's this feeling of like doing an independent film and you know it's just balls to the wall <laughs> yeah i want to i feel like i want to tell you something really cool about 105 but you know if you prompt me with some more questions it will jog my memory so is there anything else you kind of i'm sure we can about? come up with a hundred more questions oh, just, then please fire away that, um, that'll help I, me i did just want to comment on um because the more we're learning about this, the, the, it definitely has the same sort of um, production feel that Strike Back has, that you're doing everything on the fly and, and time is so limited. And <clears throat> as you're saying, the budget, you were out of budget even for this for this episode. And yeah. again, it ends up being just 
you know, spectacular. And that's yeah. what we're used to with, with Strike Back as well. And, and it is, it's that, that energy that's going on behind the scenes that translates so beautifully to what ends up in the final project that, you know, you're, you're, as characters, you didn't really know what was going on either, that you're in this completely foreign setting with, you have no control over what's going on. And that shows up on uh, in the final product. And that's just, it's brilliant. It's just a brilliant way of, to film. You have weeks and weeks to film things like this. The energy is lost and it just becomes, let's film it again, let's film it again. Yeah. And when you're under that kind of pressure, it really, it, when it's done by people who care about the product and who are so invested in it and are at the top of their game, you yeah. get episode five, which is yeah. just brilliant. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's, you know, they always say that like um, limitations like forces creativity and it, re it really does. And also, you know, as I always say about acting, you really need to be out of your head. You need to be in your body. You need to be not thinking the thoughts of your, you as the person, but you as the character. And so when you don't have time to think, it's just everything's, it's, you're better, you know? Um, yeah, 105 is so special, such a special. I really feel like, you know, we could, we could put that in the theater, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really feels like a, a little movie happening yeah. in the middle in the middle of the season. So I had a question, maybe sure. sort of a two-part question. Like like she said, coming from Strike Back, we're used to, we see a lot more of the behind-the-scenes stuff happening because of our relationship with the cast and everybody. How much, and they do like 90% of their own stunts and, and all yeah. that. And so I'm wondering how much of the, the fighting and the stunts do you guys do? And in particular with Young June, his like very stabby, quick stabby style yeah. is so cool to watch. Mm. And I'm wondering how that how that style like did you ha have input in how that style was going to happen and those choices and how that those kind of awesome. Yeah, no, this is cool. That's a, yeah, that's a great question. So um, when I first got the first draft of 105, there was no mention of. Young June and Knives. And then I think when I read the first draft of 101, that too did not have any mention of, uh, of Knives. I think he was a hatchet man and, and they hadn't quite figured out what his weapons of choice were. And then when I arrived in Cape Town, I, you know, before a job, you kind of let your hair grow out and you don't mess with it so that you give them more to work with. And originally they thought, they said, uh, they're like, oh, you know, how about a pompadour for Assam? And then the producers were like, mm, that's more of a Young June thing. And then, of course, I ended up with the pompadour. And then when I met with Brett Chan, um, he had mentioned, Brett Chan is the, the fight and uh, second unit director, uh, fight choreographer. And, and he had, you know, he had thought, you know, how about two knives? And I thought instantly, I thought, yes, makes complete sense. You know, I feel like it's, for my body type, the way I move, with the hair, the attitude, the knives was it. It just felt right instantly, and uh, so it was always really fascinating to me to read an early draft where where Young Jun they don't mention you know uh, the, the the two knives. Um, I actually have a martial arts background. Um, growing up, I you know I was really into martial arts, but I had always wanted to keep my martial arts training and background separate from my acting because. Um, I think even to this day, we don't really think of martial artists as actors, right? They're, mm. they're martial arts stars or, you know, whereas I wanted to be 
you know, Robert De Niro, Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, I, right. I wanted to be a great actor. So I, I had always kind of kept them separate, even though I was a massive, massive Bruce Lee fan. So one of the most amazing gifts that, that Warrior has given me is to give me amazing opportunities to act and, and express myself as an actor and as young Jun. And, and I get to be a martial arts star. It's like <laughs> mind exploding on like multiple levels, you know, like, so I do most of my, most of my fighting. Uh, if you see me fighting, that's me. However, HBO <laughs> won't let me go through a window. So yeah. like one of five, oh, one, HBO? I know, it's like, what, really? It's not real class, HBO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's like, you won't let, let me go through a window, really? Um, anyway, so that's my stunt double, Haiyang, who's actually my, my, he teaches me all my choreo. Um, now, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, they do this in, in Strike Back. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But all the fight sequence, sequences are pre-visualized and they're shot with the stuntman already. Yes. Um, and Haiyang, obviously, he moves the way he moves. But like any script, just like an acting scene, once given to me, I get to express myself and move the way that I want to move. Uh, so originally, like, Brett had me sort of uh, with the two knives be more in the front foot, like kind of a lead front foot, whereas I always felt more natural, you know, as a, as a, as a orthodox stance and kind of leaning backwards. And that's totally cool. Um, whereas, you know, McCarty Pants, his background is um, he's a judo champion. He's a legitimate <laughs> judo player of, of the highest order. And you can just tell by the way he moves, his 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 um, his core, his center is just his the torque. He's got so much torque and so much power, and he moves so fluid. So when he does spins and he throws people around, like you can really sense that power. Andrew has a, a martial arts and a gymnastics background, and you know when you see his uh, previous from his stunt guy, then to to and then seeing how he moves. You see that he's expressing his body in his own way too. So we do our all, most of our own stunts, except for times where HBO says no, there's glass involved. We can't, you know, get them scratched up or whatever. Um, and for example, in 105, I get rugby tackled. Hmm. That's not me. Okay. Again, like they're like um, Craig, the the stunt guy, um, stunt performer who rugby tackles me. I mean, the guy's like 250 pounds. He's huge. They're like, yeah, no, we're not going to have him tackle you. (laughs) But other than that, like, you know, everything else is me. In fact, the only time that I got doubled in season one was on those two occasions in 105. Um, And I I have no ego about that. I'm like, you know, that's fine with me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Um, but in terms of the rest, yeah, I, I feel like um, the character design of like the hair, the look, the suit, the attitude, um, the knives, it just, it's, it's so cool. I, I, I always pinch myself. I'm like, man, I cannot believe they gave me this opportunity. <laughs> I love knowing that about the knives because the, the first time they came out, I, it shocked me. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting Young June to have any fighting skills. And then all yes. of a sudden he comes out with this like, Horrific knife ninja. Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm like Ooh, stabby thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so it just it horrified me. And yeah. to know that that wasn't how he was originally written, and that they changed that, it's just what a terrific change. I mean, oh. go, again, going with their gut and 
and making that change. Perfect. Yeah. And I have to tell you that episode five was the first time I actually noticed the pompadour. <laughs> I'm like, oh. what's in his hair? Oh, because, yeah, because it's got all flat because of being yeah. on the deck. Yeah, like, yeah. It was, you know, it's some sort of a little quiet scene when you're both at the table and they had a, sh a, a camera angle on him where I was just like, oh my God, his hair is like five inches tall. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, then when yeah. I rewatched it all, I'm like, oh, you, yeah, it's been five inches tall the whole time, you know. So, it's funny because uh, I remember sending a, a photo of of my hair like the first time they did it, and I sent it to my wife, and my wife was like, "Is that a joke?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was offended. I was like, I'm gonna, I'll get you. Just wait, I'll get you. <laughs> oh man. Well, I love knowing that. I mean, because, and especially about you guys doing your own fighting and stuff, but because I think that's something that we as, you know, Strike Back fans are sort of, can be picky about. And it, it's hard to find a show where that's the case, especially on network television. It just doesn't very much happen. Um, and I love, we just, and I love all the different fighting styles. It's such a great show. Can you tease us what's to come in season one? Just a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. Um, let me see. Well, there's a lot more fighting. <laughs> a lot more. Um, we will see Makati Pants fight again. You are making me blush so bad. I want to tease, what can I tease without giving away? Um, I don't want to get in trouble here. <laughs> I, I will say that the stuff that you've talked about on your podcast, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think there's going to be a lot more fighting, <laughs> which I already said. A lot more drama. Um, I don't really want to say too much more because, you know what, you, you guys are at the halfway point. Yeah. And there's so much good TV ahead of you right now. I, I really don't want to spoil it. But um, I don't want to disappoint either. So let me think. Um, we may see McCarty Pants without his top off again. <laughs> well, praise all be. Thank you. Joe <laughs> Tassim, he, like I, I mentioned earlier, he's like a legitimate martial artist. Great, really great performer. I remember when we um, we had shot episode one, and the producers got the whole cast together and 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 played it for us. We sat in a, in a little theater and we watched episode one, and we, we we were just having a riot watching it. And then as soon as Joe Tassim came on. <laughs> On screen, Kieran Bue was like, oh, my God, that's a movie star. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, yes. And, like, uh, every time we work with, we work with Joe now, we, we tease, like, Joe, can you turn down the charisma, please? <laughs> like, he doesn't have to say anything, and he just is, like, stealing stealing the shots. Yeah. Like, man, this is my scene. I'm the one talking. <laughs> Joe, turn it down. And then yet, you know, when he's not being Leon, he's just like this really sweet teddy bear, goofy, fun, cool dude. So anyway, little, just giving you a little uh, behind the scenes of uh, Joe. <laughs> uh, it's uh, I can't tell you how how nice it is to know that you actually listened to the podcast before agreeing to come on. That was that means a lot. Um, <clears throat> And if you went back and listened to any of the Strike Back podcasts, you'll know that one of the big reasons we love Strike Back is that it isn't just constant action, that 
that you do have those beautiful quiet moments mm. that really, you know, yes, there's this, you know, high octane action, but the show really is the quiet moments. And I think that episode five perfectly illustrated yeah. that in that you had, you know, up until episode five, I didn't really trust that Assam's relationship with young June was was honest. I really mm. thought he was he was just sort of using young young June to protect himself within the Tom. And yet in episode five, clearly he does feel that that sense mm. of connection with young June. And mm. I'm wondering not necessarily where it goes from here, but you know, how how much do you guys work on on developing that connection so so slowly? I mean, clearly young June is mm. is all in. He's mm. looking for a legit relationship yeah. with someone. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do you envision the, the relationships with the other men in the Tong and why young, you know, why Assam, why reach out to him all of a sudden versus any of the other men in the Tong that you've grown up with? For me, Assam always kind of felt like the brother I always wanted. And, you know, as Young Jun speaks in episode five about, you know, not fitting in. Um, not being an American, not being a Chinaman that's never been to China, um, and not being an American, I think somewhere he recognizes that in Assam. And um, before he even knew that he was a quarter, uh, you know, American or, or could speak English. And clearly he's also someone that's really impressed by his martial arts skills. And it's kind of like, you know, like on a, on a certain level, like, you know, if I like a certain sport and I, I meet a guy and, and, and we really click and, and he likes the same sport, it's like, you know, you can admire and appreciate that in each other. In terms of if we work on it, I, I feel like it came very naturally. I mean, Andrew in many, many ways reminds me of my own brothers. And so um, it was just a very natural instinct that, yeah, no, this is the brother I've always wanted. And, and I, I mean, I've obviously built my own backstory, which could be wrong because you know in tv you know um they could write something next week and you know all of a sudden the backstory that i created is like oh nope it's something else but yeah he for me he always represented represented the the brother that i always wanted and i, and I was like that I, I grew up i remember i i was 14 before my brother my my, my sister and my brother uh, i i was basically a single an only child for a long time and so I knew I kind of understood that feeling of wanting to like you know share and play with someone you know, and understanding that loneliness. And I think Andrew and I both kind of, as people, understand that and know what that feels like. And and then to express it in our characters too, it just it just it this was it was just a very natural fit. Well, I have to say the the scene that really I I've just found beautiful in mm. this episode was when um, Young June and Asam are at the table and. Um, I forget his character name, but C.S. Lee, who yes, was awesome, amazing, comes out and they start talking about home mm. and the look on Young June's face of just yeah. longing to have that place to fit in right. was just gorgeous. I mean, it was mm. just beautiful. There was so much emotion in that, and just mm. bravo. What? A- Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, man, that what an episode. Well, yeah, C.S. Lee, first of all, is fantastic. He's just just an amazing actor, and um, getting to work with him was an absolute privilege. Yeah, the, going going back to earlier, like you know, like Young Jun being this 
on one hand, this psychopath. It's like, I really feel like that is something that he's had to become in order to survive. Because if he didn't, then he would have been dead and long gone years and years ago. I don't know if this is a good example, but I, I'm assuming it's kind of like these kids who become child soldiers, you know? They, they have to become, even if that's not their nature, they have to become that. And then here we are in Grass Valley, Nevada, and he gets to, to, to kind of let that guard down. It was so cool. I mean, as an actor, that, that's what I want. I want to be able to use my dexterity as a performer to, to show the absolute worst, worst, vicious side and then swing that pendulum all the way to the other side and show you that no actually that he is completely a full human being that has another side to him um and it's it's by circumstances that he's become this way and i feel like assam kind of gives him that opportunity to kind of let a bit of steam off kind of like not have to be that persona all the time maybe he was that at first because He's a new friend, wants to impress him, wants to take him to the whorehouse. He wants to, like, you know, be super vicious and show him the ropes. But at some point, he goes, I sometimes wonder, who is the big brother? Who's the little brother? Who's the big brother, you know, in this relationship? So I wanted to ask you, you've done a lot of behind-the-camera work previously, mm. uh, directed, yeah. produced, written, Jasmine, Gay Hollywood Dad, When Mindy, <laughs> when Wendy Met Will, on and on yeah. and on. Do you have any hopes to get to do some behind the stuff, behind the camera work with Warrior? Um, I would love to. Basically, you know, uh, you know, my career as an actor, it's it's, you know, it's been so many ups and downs and extended periods of down. There have been many times in my career where I really felt like I was down and out for the count. Um, you know, on the face, face down and on the canvas, times where I've felt a million, million miles away from my dreams and, and uh, of being a working actor. Um, so at some point, I just I started to um, do other things and, and, and realized that I needed to give myself my own opportunities. And, and that's when I started to, to write, produce, direct, edit, shoot, and try to develop my skills as, as a filmmaker. So I would love to. However, I haven't really brought that up with, with JT or anyone because right now I really feel that my job is to to do the best I can as Young Jun. And when the opportunity arises, when my skills as a filmmaker um, grow, then hopefully, you know, those two two things will will meet. That all being said, um, Andrew and I have talked about doing a film in between season two and three. Um, the script's written. Uh, we've talked to a few people, so we may see <laughs> not a young June and Assam, but we'll, um, we may be doing a film this uh, this year. Yeah, so and it's uh, yeah, so that that'll I, I've directed short films, I've directed commercials, I've directed you know a lot of um, stuff that I'm I'm not very proud of either, just stuff that was you know paid the bills. But yeah, I'm really excited about um, working with Andrew during the off season. And also just working on something completely different from Young Jun and Assam, uh, where we're not badasses yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> where we don't kill people. Um, and the, the other thing is, like, me and Andrew, like, uh, we, it's, it's bad because, you know, during the season, we, uh, we're very mindful and, uh, and monk-like in terms of our training and, and what we eat. So we literally spend the whole season just fantasizing about food 
and talking about you know as soon as we wrap what we're gonna eat we actually yeah. we have a we have a separate whatsapp group even though it's just me and him <laughs> and it's just a list of restaurants and the foods that we're gonna be eating at the end of the <laughs> and we'll send each other photos of like you know cakes you know <laughs> and extremely carby food um so yeah what, what was really cool is when we wrapped season one we wrapped oh, oh the very last shot the very literally the very last shot of season one was a shot of me saying go with the fucking girl that was oh, the last shot that was such oh my gosh yeah yeah it was it was uh that was the last shot and it was just like last shot we got five minutes to get this let's do it took my time of course <laughs> <laughs> did it and then we wrapped, and then we went straight for pizza. <laughs> pizza, beer, and we just literally pigged out. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I love that. I'm just picturing, like, go with the girl, and what you're actually fantasizing is, like, <laughs> pizza. You're like, forget the girl. Go pizza. Pizza. Exactly. <laughs> that gold nugget and go get me some pepperoni, please. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, ice cream, you name it. <laughs> I haven't had breakfast yet, so <laughs> that's all I can think about. Uh, I'm wondering what, uh, on set, how much behind-the-scenes collaboration is going on between the showrunner, the writer, and the actors, um, or is it is it a show that sticks strictly to script, that once they have their script done, this is what we're doing, or is this a show like Strike Back where it's very fluid and very open to feedback from the actors in terms of where their character's going? Um, that's a good question. I would say um, for me personally, I very, very rarely speak to Jonathan or the writers about the story or about changing anything. Um, just because I feel like what's written is it's all there and I just need to figure it out as best I can and it's only when I've used you know I've really worked the script over and I've I've tried everything I can to make it work and if there's still something that I'm like mm, this this word or this line doesn't quite sit right or I don't understand it or I don't know you know how they want me to what it's supposed to mean or, or whatever only then at that point do I speak to to Jonathan and occasionally I may have an idea uh, and he's always been open uh, open um, to suggestions. That being said, I don't really change very much. However, I do improvise every now and then. And I'm very happy to say that a lot of my little improvs have made it into the final cut. Um, so sometimes it's, it's, it's better that I just demonstrate what, I'm, what I want to do because if I verbalize it or try to explain myself, it never comes across. And I've always just felt as a person I'm I'm better demonstrating something than maybe articulating it with words. So that being said, you know, there are other actors who are phenomenal. Kieran, Hoon, um, they, their process is a lot different and they have a different relationship with, with the writers and with Jonathan. And I, I think they do spend more time discussing things and talking about stuff. So I think it's, a very, it's very much an individual thing and it just depends on the scene, depends on who the director is. Depends if Jonathan is there. You know, if Jonathan's there because he's the head writer, it's, it's easy for me to say, hey, Jonathan, can I say something else here? And, and I'll let him come up with ideas. Um, like, the, for example, I remember in episode one where I, I walk into the room that Assam's in and he's still in his, you know, fresh off the boat clothing. 
and he's like, you know, he's doing some kung fu, and I'm saying, oh, don't hurt yourself, right? I mean, that was that was an improv that Jonathan just came and said, hey, say this next. I'm like, okay, great. And we did like five different takes, and each time I said something different, and and I, I love that, you know. And um, I, I'm sure you hated this, uh, Kelsey, <laughs> but in the first episode, like you know, when when uh, a toy says, uh, you know, he's got a a, a heart in his penis or something, something to that effect. And I go, boom, 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 boom. I'm sure that annoyed the shit out of you. <laughs> but that was an improv on one take. It was just a little improv. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he was always disgusting. my favorite. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I know it's it's revolting, but it's like, that's really fun too, you know? Yeah. Like, And also I think in one scene where, uh, I forget which episode it was, where um, the scene's not even about me. <laughs> And uh, a toy reprimands Assam, and then they go off. It's after he slaps um, a mm-hmm. rude client. And I just giggle in the background. <laughs> totally improvised, just did it, and it just made sense, and it, it ended up in, in the final thing. But I think it, what it goes to show is that, like, you shouldn't wait for permission. You should just do it. Just be the guy and be truthful in the moment, and and hopefully, you know, it works. And if it doesn't, it's gone. It's, you know, there's plenty of good ideas and bad ideas that end up on the on the cutting room floor but for me it's always been like i i don't want to hold back i want to i want to know what that line is and if i overstep it or or that's fine but always trying to get right there to the very edge i'm kind of going off on a tangent here but yeah so it just depends who the actor is and what the scene is and and who's there um there is no there's no rule basically yeah well, that's that's great, and we like tangents, so it's okay. <laughs> so we we have a, a standard question that we asked all of our strike back people um, as our final question, and this honestly, the way you describe shooting, I think, sounds enough to us like strike back that we I think we'll wrap with the same question, which is that shooting uh, shooting on location was such a physical show for so long, so quickly is is a is a marathon. Mm. And so I know when Deb had reached out to Philip Winchester, who was on Strike Back before, he said he likes to ask people their highs and lows because you kind of slog through the shit with rose-colored glasses. So we're wondering if you have two highs and two lows from shooting the season. Wow. Okay. Um, The highs, so many highs. I mean, 105. 105 is just a gift. From God, like it get, the heavens opened up and just you know like that. It was such a um, such a gift. So that's definitely one of the highs. Just the just agree again with that. That if there are people <laughs> out there who haven't watched this show at all, you can watch episode 105 and be completely satisfied. Yes. It will make you watch the rest of the show, but yeah. you don't have to have watched it all. Please right. watch this episode. It is right. just perfect. Yeah. Okay. Fun. Next time. <laughs> Uh, there's so many, but you know, just just riffing off the top of my head, I would say the one thing that I've really enjoyed. Um, I mentioned earlier about the martial arts, having, being able to, to to do martial arts and, and fight is really cool. But one of the other highs I have to mention is speaking Cantonese. I'm from Hong Kong, and my dad's English, my mom's Chinese, and um, just being able to speak Cantonese and English and to be in an American TV show. And to express that language, it's been super cool. Uh, I, I've gotten, I've gotten, you know, 
messages from from friends and family back home in Hong Kong and and how much they're enjoying it. That really it makes me feel proud of of where I'm from, you know. Um, and you know, Bruce Lee was he was American. He was born in San Francisco, but he grew up in Hong Kong. His parents were Hong Kong Chinese. So there's something really deeply satisfying about that. And Cantonese people are the world champions of cussing and swearing. And so to be able to express myself using the most foul language in Cantonese, I'm literally like my first bit of dialogue in Cantonese is in Cantonese, you know, in, in English, but the way we say shit, like, ow, you know, you bang your hand or something and you're like, ow, shit. Um, in Chinese, they'll say, ow, fuck your mother. <laughs> it's like, it's that, that, that's the most common, like, swear, you know, swear word. So, yeah, I know it sounds really silly, but just to express my Chinese-ness or the Hong Kong-ness or the Cantonese uh, part of my upbringing is, is, was, was a, is a real high. Um, now for the lows. Huh. Lows. <laughs> the lows are always hard unless you're Dan McPherson who says the toilets. <laughs> so. Oh, okay. Um, the toilets. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> how awesome is it that you don't have any? I mean, that's just lows. tells you how great this show is. I don't, I honestly can't say I have any lows. No, I think Andrew would feel differently because he's the one with the most lo- like workload. I mean, you know, being on a show like this, I'm sure like Strike Back, it's you're you're a full time actor, but you're also a full time athlete. So I think really juggling your energy because you know, and it, acting takes a hell of a lot out of you. You don't the mental focus to act and perform. I never really appreciated it. Until I started testing my blood sugar, <laughs> I found out that I was type two diabetic last year, and I had to start testing my my blood sugar. And I realized, I, I just just on a whim, I started testing myself before and after acting work. And man, acting work burns off a lot of sugar. It just shows that your brain is like when it's focused, how much it uses up. Um, so for someone, you know, on a particularly hot, heavy week, managing your your energy and your body because you inevitably you get injured oh actually uh oh wait no that hasn't come up yet i probably shouldn't say that i don't want to give any spoilers away <laughs> <laughs> but i um yeah i mean i think that's probably the hardest part and i wouldn't even call it a low but i would say that's the most challenging part is balancing all the acting all the training and injuries and then not eating the foods that you want to eat <laughs> I can't imagine having to yeah. juggle your your blood sugar with the yeah. type of diet that you have to have in the yeah. you know, the training. I mean, that is just totally real work, man. You've yeah. got. I does anyone help you with that on set? I mean, just the the dietary constrictions. Yeah, I mean, for the training. Yeah, wow. we have a sh- yeah we have a chef there that that like you know um who caters to our to our to our particular needs, but um. But nevertheless, it's still you're the one that has to go through the, the training, uh, and I have to. But I have to like make it known that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, my schedule is way lighter than Andrew's because Andrew has to play in 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 all the different worlds that exist in Warrior. Whereas, so he has way more fighting, way more acting to do. He's really the one that's doing the heavy lifting. My heavy lifting is, you know, kind of comes in spurts. Um, so I really can't complain. So for me, it's never really that low. 
Um, but for him, I know like you know, he's he's got so much work to do. But I mean, man, he's a superstar. Like he he you know he takes it on. I mean, we're so lucky to have have him as a, as our lead actor because um, his work ethic and, and is is unbelievable. Yeah, so I can't complain. So the, I I would say the only low for me is is man, I can't even say it's a low. It's that I sometimes I want to do more. You know what I mean? I just I want to do more. In fact, I was complaining for a long time. Like I want to fight more. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew would, say, would kept would keep saying to me, "Shut up! It's all about character. It's all about character." I'm like, "Oh God, oh, you're right." <laughs> Thanks, and tune in next week for another Need to Know session at the Crib. Follow us on Twitter, at Strike Back Crib, out. Out.